Welcome to Late Night Riders. In honor of doing 25 episodes, we wanted to give you a special best of episode. So enjoy. On our very first episode, we talked to Amanda Held, the founder of Hooves. In this segment, she talks a little bit about what Hooves is and how she has seen horses change veterans' lives. Uh, sometimes we call it magic, <laughs> but um, they say that the horse is a mirror to your soul, but to put a little bit of science behind it, horses can actually read our nonverbal cues at a magnified level. And if you think about walking down a hallway and running across someone and saying, oh, hey, how's your day? And the person turns back to you and they're like, oh, it's good. I'm having a good day. Like clearly they're not having a good day. If you magnify that times 100 that's what the horses can see in us. So they're reading a twitch of the ear, a blink of the eye. Everything is communication to them. And you're so you're communicating. And then the horse is going to see the output of that. And they're going to respond back to you exactly how you're showing up. And to give you an example of that, in the very first eight-hour workshop I did, I had a group of four veterans. And just on a side note, there's always a theme. Everyone that shows up for each uh, retreat, workshop, anything. It's always a theme. So they showed up and I simply asked them to observe the horses and tell me what they saw. And as they were just standing there watching the horses, a horse that generally is a, a very loving, in your pocket type of mare, I swear I would say she'd lay on the couch with you if you'd let her, <laughs> started pacing the arena. And she started putting her ears back. And at one point, she was showing her teeth uh, and not even around anyone. And and if you know horses, that's not common horse behavior because they're flight animals first. And and she wasn't being engaged. She was just being observed. And uh, my my colleague was like, oh, man, we got to get this horse out of the arena. This is, uh, you know, could be dangerous. And, And we're trained very well to avert any type of, you know, potential safety issue. But I said, no. This has happened three times now. There's a pattern. Something's going on. This means something, especially because she was so out of character. Hmm. So we always bring it back to the veterans. And I said, hey, 
what's going on, guys? Tell me about this horse. What's this horse doing? And the guy said, well, that horse is afraid. And I'm going, <laughs> really? <laughs> Doesn't look very afraid to me. So, so I'm like, okay. You know, I said, tell me more. What's going, why is the horse afraid? He said, well, the horse doesn't know us. It's in a, a different environment. It has no idea what's expected out of it. It doesn't know what it's supposed to do or how it's supposed to behave or or how, you know, we're it's going to be judged. And then he kind of, like, grabbed his chest and he was like, oh, that's me. That's how I feel. Mm. And my family thinks I'm angry and aggressive, but it's fear. I'm, I'm afraid. And so for him to just even admit that was tremendous. And then we were able to say, great. Well, you can't take fear out of your life, so you, we're not taking fear out of the arena today. Mm-hmm. Let's work through it. What do you mm-hmm. think the horse needs right now? And he said, well, maybe if we could just harness it. And I said, okay, <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> so he got a, got one of the other veterans, and they worked together, and they put the halter on the horse, and it was like <laughs> instant. The, the moment that halter was clipped, that horse was a different animal. And it became the bravest horse of the day, and it became the horse that led them through all the other exercises. And at the end of the day, we were able to say, okay, well, how can fear be a, a benefit to us? And they said, well, it kept us alive when we were deployed. It keeps our family safe. And, um, you know, really when we harness it, it's not it's not a bad thing. And And that's what I've learned kind of through the horse is that anything that we can harness won't hurt us or other people. And so that really became the theme for that retreat was harnessing your fear. Nicole was a really fun person to have on our podcast. In this segment, she talks a little bit about how dressage is the basis of all riding. Last year, I was working with a personal trainer and doing strength training because I had torn my ACL. So I needed that help in um, getting back into shape. But I feel like it's really important we expect our horses to be these big muscular Mm -hmm. like things and to Mm -hmm. do all these fancy tricks and stuff. But it's important for us to be in shape, too, because how can you expect your horse to go through a, you know, five minute dressage test if you can't have that same kind of, um, you know, ability to do that, too. So. Mm -hmm. So what would you tell someone? Um that like isn't doing dressage but like wants to apply some of those like techniques to their riding so i really feel like um dressage is the basis for the majority of riding Mm -hmm. disciplines and um you know i've been at western barns around here and they'll say like you know some of some of the people that apply dressage basics to their western riding are some of the best horses that come out of, um, you know, those programs because it's about balance and using your horse properly. And the same thing you have to, you know, like my trainer used to always tell us that jumping is just flat work over jumps. That's it. So if you're not riding good flat work and learning how to use your core to do a half halt before a fence, then you're, you know, you're going to miss your distances or you're not going to be able to lengthen a stride or shorten a stride for a jump. So, um, yeah, so I think it's a, I think flat work's super important for all the horses. You can't jump all the time or, you know, do all of that stuff right. all the time. On our podcast, we ask most of our guests the best places they have ridden, and Raquel blew us away. She lives in California and has ridden to some great sites. I guess a nicer aspect 
from that. Um, you wrote something to us before this, how like you can go to all these different sites from your backyard. Mm -hmm. I guess give us some insight of what that's like, especially for those who might not even know, like even see it that way living, not living in California. Yeah, so that's kind of one of my favorite parts. Um, basically, from my backyard, I can ride into Griffith Park. So I'll leave my neighborhood, and um, then I'll basically I'll go over this loop that it's a mile loop that goes around the LA Equestrian Center, and that's kind of like the hub of you know the horsey area. And then I cross you know a swinging bridge over the LA River, I go under a couple of tunnels, oh um, oh. and then I'm in Griffith Park, so oh. I've been able to ride my horse to the Hollywood sign, um, oh. I've ridden her to the Griffith Observatory, um, I've taken her to the uh, the Bronson uh, Bat Caves, which are really cool, um, so I have a lot of great trail riding destinations. If you've ever heard of Stacey Westfall, you know that her knowledge is golden, in this segment, she talks a little bit about finding the common thread and how to apply that not only in your writing, but also in your life. Well, I have to say, too, from listening to your podcasts and things, how much we all appreciate your practicalness, how you take what you do with your horses and relate it to common things that make it so easy for us to understand. And I just want to thank you for that. It just really helps a lot to to hear that you relate it to your children or to, you know, um, I love like in your book, um, in Smart Start, how you talk about like the ages of the horses, like being either like college age or high school age or younger. And that just helps so much to understand. Yeah, I think some of these, thank you. I think some of these things are hard to anchor. And mm -hmm. I really, really, really believe that when you want to test a principle that you hear and it's brand new, if it's a strong principle, it's a life principle and it will run through life. It, the common thread of whatever somebody's teaching you, you should be able to discern what that common thread is mm -hmm. and then you should be able to apply it, that common thread you should be able to apply across life. It should, it should fit with, you know, across mm -hmm. the board and I think that that's, you know, um, I think that helps you know that you're onto something that's solid versus something that could be a fad. And, you know, because there's going to be a ton of different mm -hmm. presentation techniques, yeah. meaning, you know, I'm going to phrase something one way, somebody else is going to phrase something the mm -hmm. other. If you want to look for the differences, mm -hmm. you're going to find differences because you're looking for what's not the same. If you look for the common thread, yeah. you will, it is worth gold because mm -hmm. the common thread not only will help you with the horses, but it's going to, it's going to resonate across life yes. through mm -hmm. marriage, mm -hmm. through exercise, through yeah. finances, mm -hmm. through everything. And that's what makes me excited. So I try to pull those ideas back and forth to, to be able to show people that's how I'm testing things. One of our busiest guests, Ari, shares how she finds the time in the day to work a nine to five, to write and to ride. So if you're looking to start, you know, an Instagram account or a blog and you're finding yourself saying, I don't have enough time. I, I want to ride my horse. I want to do this. I want to do that. What do you suggest that people do to find the time in the day to, to start theirs? Oh my gosh. It's so hard. I won't lie. Um, 
you know, I get home from the barn at 9.30 at night sometimes. You know, I, I work my 9.5 job, and then I get home from the barn at 9, 9.30, and then I come home, and I eat, and I work on my content. And so it definitely <laughs> is it's long days, and it's a lot of work, and I'm one of those people who is constantly going. But if you have the passion and the drive, then you just find a way. And so a lot of it is efficiency, too. You know, planning mm-hmm. content ahead of time I found can be super helpful carving out a little bit of time on the weekend you can do like an hour here an hour there I write all my blog posts in advance and I pre-schedule them for the week so that's been super helpful for me um same with editing photos I'll edit photos in batch up front and then throughout the week I'll sort of sprinkle them in on a day-to-day basis but Mm -hmm. I've definitely found that it's easier to do as much pre-work as possible and that way you know if you have a long day and you're exhausted and you don't want to go home and spend two hours on Instagram like right yeah (laughs) it's not practical media like this is your time right and so it's it's a fine line like definitely a little bit balancing act and I, I did recently post on the struggle to juggle just writing in life and living mm-hmm. alone social media but um you know there are some compromises that you make like I might choose to spend time doing that like I, I never sacrifice my horse time that is one thing that is just a, a total priority to me and everything else in my life aside from work pretty much takes a backseat to that we were honored to have Bernice Endy here at Ram. She talks a little bit about the joys of long riding. They're knowing that, you know, there is nobody around for hundreds of miles. Mm-hmm. You know, there's anything can happen, you know, you know, rattlesnakes or anything, you know, people coming out or, or whatever, you know, I mean, or, or being up in the woods, being in the woods or being up in the woods. And I've just, you know, like, you know, ridden days and days and days and I've just found this little place that's like, you know, it's calling and saying, come, stay here, stay here for a few days, come on. Mm-hmm. And there's a creek, and there's nice grass, and there's a nice fire pit, and, and there you are. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got food out there because you can forage for your food, and it's mm-hmm. like, and then you just settle in, and it's just this wonderful, nice little harmonic days that happen, you know. It's slow, and, you know, the routine is very simple, and the food is very simple, and it's just... It's, I just, thank you. Thank you. Do you have conversations with your horses the whole time or? Not the whole time, but I do talk to them. I sing to them. Uh I sing. Do they talk back? Always. (laughs) We do whinny back and forth. I do. We whinny all the time. And spirit, I've never had a horse whinny like she does to me. She talks to me all of the time. She is always talking to me. Aww. She is always Aww. whinnying to me. Aww. I mean, it's like I have never had a horse like this. But all night long, like I'll call out and I'll go, spirit. Aww. And sh- and if there's nothing back, everything's okay. But if there's a knicker back, something's wrong. Hmm. They need something. If anything's wrong out there, if there's a rope wrong or if there's... You know, one horse has gone too far or something, at, you know, mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. There's not enough grass or they need water or something. They will nicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, that has come from being with them and 24-7. And I really felt strongly about that, about sleeping with them, that I spent the nights that I did not go in and I did not leave them. Owner of Serenity Farms, Deb Dehoff, tells us a little bit about what her occupational therapy program is. 
So if you could imagine coming into the barn, there's a corner of the barn put, um, it kind of has little corral fencing, and it's called Stephanie's Corner. <laughs> and her corner, she starts with her occupational goals there. Then she transitions to the arena where there's a team waiting with one of our two fabulous ponies. <laughs> and then the, the patient would ride for a specified time. Then she dismounts, and then they come back into Stephanie's corner to complete wow. their occupational therapy wow. goals. Wow. So it is a motivator. Um, it is an absolute. Um, I've been in horses all my life, so I know they're a motivator for so mm-hmm. many different connections. But to motivate um, outside of four walls is where we see the biggest results in therapeutic riding and occupational therapy. Mm-hmm. It is the horses, the connection, instead of always the person. Mm-hmm. And the people are fabulous. But it's the horse that's the motivator. Local park ranger Laura G tells us a little bit about rules and regulations standard to every park. You will see far more wildlife while on horseback than you will on foot or on bike. That's really so. Cool. Say I like really like something and it it looks really cool and it's off the trail. What like if I go off the trail? Is that a bad thing to do? That would be a no no. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> um, and that was one of the rules I. I did enforce when I was a park ranger. Um, we put the trails where we know that they're safe. Um, in oak openings, there's a lot of delicate flora and fauna that you could accidentally step on. Mm-hmm. Um, and also in oak openings, there are boggy areas. Okay. So if you were on your horse uh, and you went down into one of the boggy areas, you might get your horse stuck. Mm-hmm. And it could be it could be a real problem getting it out and it might not Mm -hmm. come out. Um, So there's the parks always put trails in the safest place. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason that we should stay on them. Julie Ferris is a very talented equestrian artist. And she talks a little bit about what her backup plan is. If her art doesn't work out. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi. Yes. So my name is Julie Ferris and I am an equestrian artist. I live in Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm 29 years old. I don't know if I'm supposed to tell you my age, but <laughs> I've been uh, I've been really focusing on the horse and art uh, since I went to school. I attended Savannah College of Art and Design in Savannah, and I majored in painting and I minored in equine studies. Mm-hmm. And I lived in Savannah for about three years after I graduated and started my business um, from the ground up. And um, it's been about six years or so that I've been sort of climbing my own uh, corporate ladder, if you will. Um, And it's been a very slow process, but I've uh, just been committed to it. And, um, you know, people ask like, what's your backup plan if equestrian art doesn't work out? And I'm like, there is no backup plan. It has to work out because it's what I want to do, yeah. and um, I really believe if you work long enough and hard enough at something, eventually, um, eventually it will come back around. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm in my studio and uh, have some paintings that are mostly finished. Finished. There's just a couple more things I need to do on them, but um, but yeah. So beautiful. Posture not only affects the rider, but it also affects the horse. Peggy Brown's anatomy and motion really demonstrates this. Uh, Sue got the bright idea that she could take a white horse, paint the muscles on one side of the horse and the skeleton on the other side, 
And we actually worked together at the first Equitana that they had in Louisville, Kentucky. I think that was 1996, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. it was working so well, we decided to shoot a DVD, uh, and we were going to go to <laughs> Australia because it was cheaper to do to, in Australia. And we thought, well, if this is working so well on the horse, why don't we try it with the rider? Yeah. And so the visible rider was born, and I, that's me wearing a black kind of a leotard with my bones painted on it. And then I ride and talk about good rider biomechanics. Mm-hmm. And the horse will show the audience very mm. clearly when I'm riding correctly or when I'm riding incorrectly. And so many people come up after that demo and say, that's what my instructor says I do, but I didn't know what it was till I saw it. Uh, so it's talking to people yeah. about how the rider's body needs to work on a horse and also talking to instructors and judges and parents about how to avoid sports injuries, especially in children. Mm. And by sports injuries, I'm not talking about falls or accidents. I'm talking about repetitive misuse of the body that begins to tear up joints and create problems in people, especially Mm -hmm. back and knee problems. Mm -hmm. When choosing holistic remedies, there is a point where you should contact the vet. And Casey Bizet explains this. Mm-hmm. No, it, you know, it's, it's not a cure-all. And I, I know a lot of people, I get questions all the time, like, you know, what herb can I use to fix this problem? Or what right. um, holistic remedies or whatever you want to call them, like, they're not a cure-all. And I mm-hmm. tell people that, you know, it's just like part of, You've got to kind of pull from different areas. You know, you might use this sure. from your vet. You might use this that you've found. Um, but, yeah, there's never, like, a easy fix for a lot of these things that happen mm-hmm. with our horses, so, yes. unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yep. And especially but, it's hard because yeah. we can't ask them. They can't, yeah. <laughs> can't get the feedback unless you see it. So, yeah, yeah. Do you feel like there's something that gives you feedback to know whether to start with your process, like, the acupressure or health, like the natural things, or you know that you need to call the vet? Um, yeah, I mean, with acupressure, I'll start there. Like, the horses actually do give feedback um, in the way. It's really just a subtle body language that you have to learn to read. Um, that a lot of times when I'm doing acupressure, the horses, they'll get very relaxed. Um, and when I hold a specific point for a while, like, they will lick and chew um, there's other things we call it like a release, but we'll notice certain mm-hmm. things and then we mm-hmm. realize, okay, it's time to move on to the next um, point. Mm-hmm. And I think that happens with massage and with some other like modalities as well. But um, it's just really a matter of like reading their the subtle body language. Um, I'm sorry, what was the question? <laughs> like, is no, there a time when you just know it's time to call the vet as opposed to using something that so, would be natural? No. So, yeah, so... Let's just take, like, colic, for instance. Um, colic is something that, I mean, a lot of people have experienced with their horses, and it's something that can be very serious. I had a horse that had colic surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's a minor colic, I, you know, I mean, I can, you can tell a lot of times if there's, if they're just, like, not eating, you can tell they just, or something's not quite right. I will start with acupressure. Um, I might use, like, a homeopathic remedy if I have that on hand um, 
you know, some walking them, of course, the standard things you would do for colic. Um, but, you know, again, if they're laying down, um, if they're attempting to roll, I'm going to call my bed right mm-hmm. away. So I'm not going to mess around with something like that. Mm-hmm. So. Our next segment, Cancer Banter, is brought to you by Ram Horse Fencing and Stalls, the one-stop shop for your horse farm. Ram is family-owned and operated and has been in business for over 30 years. We welcome you to call in and speak with an expert about your next project today at 866-653-8984. Again, that's 866-653-8984. And we're back. Welcome to our segment of Canter Banter. On this segment, we are going to be talking about um, which would you rather ride? A steel horse or a real horse? Oh, that's a good question. (laughs) All right. So our first question um, is, which would you rather ride on a rainy day, steel horse or real horse? Ooh. I would say that I would probably want to ride a steel horse on a rainy day, believe it or not. Yeah. Okay. Um, What about chaps? Would you rather wear chaps on a steel horse or a real horse? Probably chaps on a real horse. Okay. Do you not wear chaps uh, for the... On the bike? Yeah. I will if it's cold. You know, if you're trying to stay warm, basically, is, is the idea with the chaps, uh, at least in my particular case. Now, I know people wear them every single time they get on a bike, no matter how cold or hot it is, just mm-hmm. like horses. Mm-hmm. You know, the Western riders, they on horses, they'll wear chaps all the time. Chaps, in fact. <laughs> say it the right way. So, but, uh, you know, and, and that's a, another part of it is the, what you wear and what you do with your horse is personal. So yeah. um, th- there are a lot of people who they, you can't believe they're wearing all the clothes they're wearing on a hot day, but they believe it's important. So, uh, yeah, that's my answer. Okay. <laughs> what about helmet? This helmet? one's a little tricky. No, no. For me, I believe in personal choice, first of all. I think um, helmets are... Our choice, I think older people may have a tendency not to wear helmets, like myself. I choose not to personally. On motorcycle or horse? On both. Okay. You know, I started to ride horses without a helmet, and I definitely rode motorcycles without a helmet. Um, Now, people in Michigan, for instance, had a helmet law when I first came to Toledo, and now it's since gone away, but they still wear helmets because they're used to it. So when you make it a part of your life or a habit, I think it's fine. And young people definitely wear helmets because they ride them on bicycles. So by the time they get to horses and motorcycles, they're used to it. So so check your state and make sure you know you know the rules of your state. Right. And then you can make your own decision. But it's uh, I believe in a personal choice if you have one. And if you're 16 or under, you should be wearing a helmet on a horse. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm way past that. <laughs> All right. Um. On a date with your wife, steel horse or real horse? Oh, probably real horse. <laughs> yeah. Um, which one would you rather clean? Oh, real horse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh, steel horse takes a long time to clean, and you could start one end, get to the other end, and start over again. <laughs> so. Uh, of course, the horses, they'll get clean and go roll in the mud. So right. it's a trade-off. Now, now, how many steel horses do you have? Um, I count all the ones at both dealerships. Okay. Yeah. So they're all yours. Yeah, I'm pretty spoiled. Yeah. Do you, you have can... a favorite? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, that changes every day, too, mm-hmm. frankly, based on what's available. So, um, you know, at this point, I'm riding mostly touring bikes. 
Uh, I like the radio. I like the ABS brakes. I like all the features and the technology is, is awesome. Uh, but I still like the old bikes too, very old bikes, pan heads and, mm-hmm. and, and older things. So, okay. but, uh, yeah. Nice. Okay. Which one would you rather race? Ho- real horse. For sure, a real horse. Yeah, I love really? to go fast in the park. Oh, yeah. Even though I'm not a very skilled horse rider, and I'm lucky that my horses, most of the horses I ride were born on my farm and into my arms. So I know they won't hurt me on purpose, but mm-hmm. I love to run fast in the park. On the road, you know, there's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of distracted driving. There's a lot of things going on. Um, so I, I feel more comfortable going fast on the horse. Yeah. Okay. Um, what type of show would you rather go to? So like horse show or, um, motorcycle like, show. Yeah. Um, uh, frankly, I'd like to go to motorcycle shows. Yeah. 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 I don't like to be a judge in a motorcycle show because then you make one person happy and a bunch of people mad. <laughs> but, you know, it's fun to watch horse shows for sure, but I'm not a show person, so I don't understand a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, the bike shows... You don't have to know anything. You can just appreciate it. So, have you been a judge often? For no, okay. no, I won't. I won't do it. I always <laughs> say no. <laughs> I'm smart. All right. Um, and where have you always wanted to ride? Like, what is your bucket list for both motorcycle and horse? Well, I have to tell you, I've been pretty lucky on the horses. When whenever we get a chance to travel with Harley Davidson, we will make sure we take time to ride the horses. So we've ridden in Ireland. Puerto Rico, uh, Spain, a lot of cool places uh, that we were lucky enough to ride, Um, Holland uh, and the Netherlands. And so when we travel, we like to ride a horse, make time to go do that, Uh, San Diego, different places that the dealer shows are. That's Um, awesome. Yeah, very cool. And they're all so different, too. That's pretty cool, too. Um, So was there a favorite place that you've gone to already that you would tell somebody, I would go there again? Yeah, Ireland was really cool. We were lucky enough to go to a stable there. That uh, lady had been an Olympic rider back in the 70s, and she had a nice facility. It was beautiful countryside. Uh, We rode with the young lady who was a competitive rider, and she was happy we could ride their horse as well. Uh, They had nice horses that were sport horses, Hmm. and that was fun. So uh, Irish sport horse and Irish cob, which we we might call gypsy vanners, but they don't like to use that word over there (laughs) for some reason. And uh, they cut the feathers, and so you can't tell what they are, but uh, great horses. I mean, and they were, Hmm. again, she was happy we could ride because at a lot of riding stables, apparently everyone oversells themselves, Mm -hmm. and so then it doesn't work out so well. Not always. So when you went to California, did you take your own horses or were you riding? No, that was a a riding stable as well, uh, right on the border of the United States and Mexico, and it was really cool. So uh, that was enjoyable. Uh, A little bit, eh, I I wasn't much of a rider at that point, so it was sort of like the horses knew where they were going more Mm -hmm. than the guide did. So that was fun, you know. If she went the wrong way, we went the right way because the horses knew which way to go. Yeah. All right. Um, We hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast and encourage you to share with all your equestrian family and friends. You can tune into Late Night Riders podcast show every Friday night. Each episode will be uploaded exclusively on YouTube where you can subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with all of our latest shows. Do you have a topic you'd like to discuss? We want to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at ramfence.com or feel free to leave a comment below. Thank you again for listening.